Welcome to Inscripture Podcast. We're so glad to have you listen with us while we dive into Scripture and dissect God's Word verse by verse. Listen with us and don't forget to leave us questions and feedback as you journey with us through His Word. Phones are silent off the table. Um, this week at work was uh, kind of entertaining because we had this one individual that used to work with us for like five years, and then he moved to Florida for two years, and then he came back. And um, he is definitely saved. He loves Christ, but his theology, his like outlook on certain things is just a little bit different. Does he um, clap? No, no not like that. that. <laughs> not like that. I think when people have like this very open attitude where they will socialize with anybody, tell anybody anything, like they're very open people. Um, he just has that character about him. And what the reason I'm kind of bringing this up is we will all meet people in our life that are Christian, that love Jesus, that spread his gospel. They just do it way different than we would ever do it. And I, I always thought about that. Is it wrong or is it just different? Because there's, 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 you know, there's a difference between wrong and different. Um, and yeah, I've been having debates with him pretty much all week because um, he's, you know, he's got his viewpoints on certain things. He's got his biases and he feels comfortably fine pushing any kind of view or bias to anybody. And, um, just you know just as an example like <laughs> there's this one guy and and he's talking to him and he mentioned to the he mentioned to um to him like yeah me and my girlfriend have uh, been living in this apartment they were talking about apartments and right away this individual that i'm talking about is like you're living with your girlfriend why are you living with her why aren't you married <laughs> it's like <laughs> is he wrong no um and then he got into that and he's like you know you need to be married to her to be living with her that's you're committing adultery like don't you think that's wrong what do you think your future kids are gonna think <laughs> like right away he rams into him but he does it with this huge smile on his face with this positive attitude that i was sitting on the side and i'm like looking and i'm like i, <laughs> I don't know how to react like good good i mean it's good that he brought that up and the person that was talking to him right away i think they maybe had a little bit of an uncomfortable feeling uh but they were they were pretty much like yeah you know Cause, well cause it's just to think like a little that bit. and he's got this smile and he's like you're committing adultery <laughs> 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 and it's um like i said that's kind of his style um but he does he does need a lot of work on his hermeneutics um, he loves he loves to push uh, what he learns from the internet, what he learns from reading outside of the Bible. He loves to use the Bible to support viewpoints, and that's one debate that I will not let go. Um, that's one debate that I've had with him many times. Um, and again, it's brother to brother. Um, and I will say to the listeners, you will encounter people like that. Um, don't be afraid to challenge them. Um, we spoke about this on the podcast many times. Challenge your family, challenge your relatives, challenge your best friends about scripture. Have a little debate, uh, discuss things, because otherwise, if a person goes unchallenged for the longest time, he will only grow in what he believes is right. 
but one day he might be challenged by something and he's like, I never thought about it that way. And he might change his, change his view to the right because um, many times I've been, you know, I'm, you, how do you know something is right? Um, you know it, you've read about it, you've studied it. You can find different stories, scripture, different things that can back up the point. You know, anything that has to do with gospel, has to do with Jesus, has to do with anything. There's points you can literally take and say, well, it's right because it's written in here. Look, word for word. And you believe that that's correct. But a person might have a topic that they're not strong on, but they preach about all the time to others, but they might be wrong. So it's important to challenge. Um, and there's the biggest thing I challenged him on modern day prophet. Um, he focuses a lot on God told me, I see dreams. I see visions all the time. I met a guy who saw a vision, who saw a dream, and he firmly, firmly, firmly believes in that. And I'm like, brother, you have to be careful when you focus on these works. And I brought up James. I brought up um, Ephesians even mentioned it a little bit. You can't focus on works so much. Don't think you're special. That was my point. You see that God sends me these dreams. He sends me these things. He tells me about a person in my dream and I go and talk to that person and they had that problem. I'm like, look, I'm not saying I don't believe you, but I'm saying that's not biblical. There's no such thing as a modern day prophet. Scripture ended. Scripture was written. Prophets were to continue scripture to be written about. It ended. Yes. Like, could, G- could God tell you something that you're really praying about, that you're really struggling with through a person or um, even, even through a dream? I've heard of it, but like, the the you have to be careful to where like what extent you're pushing that towards so you know we had these debates with him and um it's just really hard to to debate because he's like i said he's so open and loving and uh and happy um but i don't know you guys ever encounter anything like that yeah you know a person's not wrong you just he's just it's it's very interesting to see when you encounter someone like that and their answer is well in our church they've always done it this way instead of like saying well scripture says this or that and i'm convicted that this is how you understand it properly instead of saying that they'll say well i always grew up in sunday school and they always said that this is how you do it their answer is based on what someone said or does not what they are uh, convicted from scripture through the holy spirit so when they give that kind of answer that's like red flag automatically for me that they need to revisit the scripture or they've never been challenged in that or they just think that the way they were taught is the only right way and there's no other way about it Mm -hmm. which i think is wrong again i think it also depends on the subject matter because there are some ways that can only be this way and some not so you still have to be careful and of course be prepared yourself what you're about to debate um however scripture does tell us to be careful about people that cause debates there's uh, a passage i don't remember i can find it later that it says uh to avoid people that debate just for the sake of debating that's Mm -hmm. actually not a healthy attribute of a christian yeah which i don't think that's what we're talking about i think we're just talking about uh just asking why a person believes something but not in a negative way like hey you're wrong let me tell you why you're wrong and i don't want to hear what you want to say it's more of well why do you think that way and those were some of the best conversations I've had. Um, and I think it really helps you check yourself and check the person you're talking with. I feel like even more important than being ready or being prepared to do that with someone else is being ready to do that with your own 
ideas and thoughts. Yeah. You know, being, being in a place where you're comfortable enough with yourself that you can, you're okay with the fact that you find out, Hey, maybe I'm wrong. You know, that's also an important factor because you can't just, if you are approaching this person, whoever it is, and you're completely closed minded, then you're just as ignorant as they are. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just as much of a brick wall that's never going to move as they are. So you yourself have to also be willing to, to change. Again, like you said, though, if it's about these minor differences, there are foundational truths to what we believe. There is Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life, period. There is no debate there. So as a believer, you should have those foundational building blocks that never change, no matter what anybody ever says. Those things are true till the day you die, and then for all of eternity, it'll be true. But the little things is where you need to be willing to, you know, take an L if you lose. You know, you need to be willing to accept the fact that, hey, maybe I don't know everything. Like Serge said, maybe my church was wrong. <laughs> maybe what I grew up believing, maybe my parents told me something wrong. You know, we all, we talked about last week how, you know, some of us grew up with parents who didn't allow us to play Uno. You know, obviously we know there's no harm in that. But that's one of those little things that you were taught it's wrong. You were taught it's bad. And I'm not saying parents are wrong or don't listen to your parents, but that's one of those things that as an adult, the benefit of being an adult is that you can choose what to do with your life on your own. You can choose your own thoughts, your own actions, and God willing, you decide to do them through scripture. You decide to read the Bible and and act according to the Bible. But that's a choice you have to make, and that's something that we have the benefit of doing as adults. Yeah, I think one thing that I see myself, what I struggled with, and what I see others struggling with, just our generations, you know, millennials and millennials, not so much, but like Gen Z. I mean, all your information is ready to go in one second on the handheld phone. So we don't take the time to really put our due diligence research into anything. So um, where I'm going with this is there's certain... Well, we don't know what real research is. We assume that Instagram is the same thing as actual like deep diving research. Like if you argue with someone these days, especially younger, younger people, they will bring up Instagram articles as proof for their argument. And I'm like, dude, that's not the same thing. Like it might be just the anecdotal account of something, but that's not the same thing as actual proof. Right. And you could be, you know, just with that, just like with that individual I brought up earlier, um, instead of researching biblically, what a prophet is what does the bible say about a prophet why was he there what was he preaching what about new testament right um the the disciples all the work that they did the book of acts why that was there what does that mean no instead of doing all the hard research and being firm on what you believe it's google do modern day prophets exist dude you'll get 10 different articles saying yes no maybe no yes and then it's like well what's the truth but you know what? The sad reality is 90% of the time, you won't take the time to read the book of Acts and understand what they did, um, how the new church was growing, how the new church was evolved, how Christ put this, hey, you guys need to do these certain things in order to start um, the church. But if you don't do the due diligence to research, like I said, you just go off of what you heard on Google, what you saw on Google. And that's um, my whole point when, when we first opened this podcast is I brought this, I mentioned this phrase so many times, we grow up on what we see here really quick, like sermons, uh, Google, uh, commentaries, 
sometimes we just see that once, hear it once, and boom, that's our firm belief that that is correct. We never challenge it. Like you said, Mark, ourselves, right? Why do I believe what I believe? It's really hard. It's really hard to do the work and find out. But guess what? Once you put that work in, uh, you will know why you believe something. And if anybody ever challenges you, you can easily be like, here's the reason why I believe that. Um, but that's, that goes to just challenging. Obviously, don't have debates like Serge said. Don't cause ruckus for no reason just to argue about something or make yourself look like the smartest man in the room. But question why somebody believes something, because oftentimes they, they really don't, don't have a reason why they believe it. They just know it. Um, I don't know. These are the things that have been circling around in my mind. And I think it's one of those things that I know we're already kind of going over as far as a cold open, but no, we're not. I just want to point out the last, I think, kind of to sum it all up, though, for you to be able to do what we're talking about doing, you yourself have to understand that the Bible is the ultimate authority. Amen. And you need to read it. And you need to read it and you yep. need to know it. And your opinions cannot be personal or can, yep. cannot be based on some other person or a group of people. If you want to do what we're talking about, you need to make the Bible your ultimate authority. The, the word of God needs to be over your own word, over your own thoughts, over your own opinions, over your parents' opinions, over your local pastor's opinions. They have to, God's word needs to be number one. Not that those people can't help you, but scripture needs to be the main focal point of everything you believe. If that is true, then you can go out into the world and, and you can be more prepared to, if it comes to it, debate with someone. If it comes to it, maybe help share the gospel with someone. But all those things require a knowledge of scripture. You need to know what you're reading. You need to know what you believe in before you could ever go out and tell people about God. Yeah. You're sitting on a plane and you're next to somebody who's got a yarmulke on and you're like, hmm, there's a lot of conversations that could spike up. And guess what? Conversation spikes up about who is Christ and why do you consider him so highly? Boom, you have approximately 30 seconds, and that's a long time, 30 seconds when you're under the, spot, under the spotlight to think about, well, why is Christ important to me? But guess what? Last week, you studied the book of Ephesians, and you talked about some of the things in chapter one and two, or you listened to your friend's podcast called In Scripture, and they talked about what, who is Christ? Why is he our cornerstone? Why is he our foundation? Why is he somebody we love, we look up to? Um, and why do we see him as way up here, right? And I think... I think that's actually a perfect transition into this passage that we're going to be reading about because yep. that's exactly what Paul writes about here. He gives authority to Christ himself. He yeah. explains here exactly why Christ is so important to the grand scheme of, of salvation. He explains here in this next passage that we're going to read how, how impactful his sacrifice on the cross was for us, not just for his small chosen people, but for the entire planet. Um, do you guys do one of you guys want to do a real recap of last real yeah, quick recap where i was going and then i'll is, read it yeah and like we talked about why is christ important to us well in chapters one and the beginning of chapter two um kind of looking over the notes here things we didn't should have brought up earlier but like i realized that in christ is what paul is trying to describe to us um and he talked about predestination he talked about redemption um he talked about inheritance right in christ resources in christ the blessings christ gives us um new life in christ 
remember we talked about new life you are now born you're no longer dead um and right now we're going to get into a little bit of unity in christ but before before we start reading we're kind of starting to understand why christ is important to us and if we study that we learn it and that's a truth right we need to have a firm belief in our truth that christ christ is the reason for our salvation well how do we back that up read the book of ephesians study these two these uh, first two chapters and you'll start to see the picture being painted this picture this canvas that really paints who christ is and the things you receive through christ and if you didn't receive one of these things then the truth would no longer be truth if you didn't receive new life through christ then how could you explain why christ is important right how could you explain that christ is salvation if you didn't receive the blessings the resources that christ puts into you god puts into you to uh, be the christian that you are well then there's no truth so knowing these things um you are able to understand really why christ is important and, and we talked about last podcast is by grace through faith um we have our faith and we have grace and we kind of try to understand well what is grace what grace really is um and how how do we receive grace who does it come from and we talked about that grace because we believe um christ gives us that grace uh, we get something we don't deserve which is salvation ultimately and um, in verse 4 in chapter 2 just real quick highlight but god who is rich in mercy because of his great love which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive together with christ by grace you have been saved so there's your answer right there um and if you didn't have that then you didn't have christ you didn't have the truth so important important things to know important things to kind of put in your memory bank as we move on forward with uh, our passages today let's get into this passage um if you guys are at home and if you do have the opportunity to open up your bible whether it's on your phone or if you have a actual bible with you um open up to ephesians chapter 2 we're going to read the second half of the chapter from verse 11 to the very end um so ephesians chapter 2 verse 11 to the end therefore remember that you once gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands that at that time you were without christ being aliens from the commonwealth of israel and strangers from the covenant of promise having no hope and without god in the world but now in jesus christ you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of christ for he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two thus making peace and that he might reconcile them both to god in one body through the cross thereby putting to death the enmity and he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and those who were near for through him we both have access by one spirit to the father now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of god having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets jesus christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the lord in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of god in the spirit that's a lot yeah <laughs> some deep topics here 
So obviously, right off the bat, guys, what's a Gentile? Anybody who's not a Jew. Yep. Yep. Um, yes. Anyone that's outside of the Jewish populace born or so out of the Jewish populace. So anyone that's Greek, Roman, Egyptian, Ethiopian, whatever, they were considered Gentile. I think that's like kind of like their nice way of calling them aliens. Outcast. Yeah. <laughs> really was not really a pleasant word, but yeah, it wasn't know, nice. <laughs> as gentle as it sounds, it was not very gentle. They were always looked down upon. But here, Apostle Paul says, saying that at one point, which is interesting, he's talking to the Gentiles, calling them, at one point you were Gentiles. Yep. So it seems like there's a transition that these people are facing or have already faced that at one point they kind of went from being a Gentile to now they're not. But what was the thing that really differentiated people from the Jewish nation? Uncircumcision. Circumcision, right? If you guys remember circumcision, which was uh, established by God himself through Abraham, Genesis chapter 17, it was a, a covenant that God established with Abraham between Abraham and his offspring, mm-hmm. right? Um, and if you really dive into that, it's so interesting because it's like, it's it was meant to stop at Jesus, the circumcision. That's why it says offspring and not offsprings. One specific offspring through the lineage of Abraham, which was Jesus Christ. Because as Mark already read here further, that he was the one that reconciled, that brought the two races, the circumcised and uncircumcised into one. And so he's talking to these Gentiles saying that, remember at once you were the outcast. There was no hope for you. There is nothing you can do, say, believe in that would give you this salvation, right? Um, but he said at the same time, that was also made by the flesh. That was kind of like a fleshly reminder for the people of God's divine, ultimate divine promise that he made, starting with Abraham, that, uh, that will be a person that's going to redeem you guys. And for, for you guys to not forget that, that it's going to be through your lineage, you have to follow the process of circumcision. And I like that. Well, if we're going to keep this in context, and we, we're not going to read it right now because we read this last week, but the passage right before this, which we talked about in our previous episode, was all about works. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense that this is the next like, topic that he goes into because this was, to the Jews, this was like the epitome of works equals faith, basically. To them, circumcision and uncircumcision is is everything yeah you know and what he's doing here is he's flipping it now he's well, just like he said in the previous couple verses it doesn't matter what your works are you're not saved by your works you're saved by your faith mm-hmm. and he's he's kind of getting rid of this whole notion of circumcision and uncircumcision because all that is is just an empty act it doesn't really mean anything it doesn't change anything it's the a- only the only thing that changed anything was christ himself Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like more of a form of separation. Yeah, it was a form of separation. And why you're special. The only way the other people are not. The only way outsiders can come into the nation of Israel, right, to be considered part of them was through the process of circumcision, no matter your age. And so if you remember like Abraham, when God gave him this covenant, he was 99 years old and he was circumcised at that age. So this was definitely a big deal to the Jews. Because if you remember back in Acts, churches were getting ready to divide because of this issue. They were getting ready to separate. That's how big of a deal it was. But Paul was there trying to remind them, like, guys, 
this is no longer a requirement. They thought that this was your, your salvation, as if your salvation depended on circumcision, right? And something that you did by the flesh, by your hands. And Paul was there reminding us like, no, that is not the standard for salvation. The standard of salvation is Christ, faith in Christ because of God's loving grace and mercy. Well, and the thing is, if you're listening to this and you're like, man, what does this have to do with me? Like, <laughs> we don't really follow <laughs> circumcision, uncircumcision. Although I remember in school, there are a lot of Americans who do that. Yeah. Which is, I, I, I was always confused about that. And as a kid, I didn't get it. And I don't think they understood what they were doing either because it was their parents. But once I grew up and I remember, like now I look back, I'm like, man, it's crazy how many people still follow that. And I don't know how fully they understand what they're doing, or obviously they don't. But it's, it's just crazy to see how more, how real it is still in this current day. But my point being, if you're listening to this and, and for the, ma- like the vast majority of our listeners, we're all kind of just like, okay. What's the point? What's the point? Like, okay, I, maybe it applied to them. The thing is, we do the same thing, though. Like, to the Jews, an uncircumcised person, whether they're actually faithful or not, didn't matter. The fact that they're uncircumcised, that's it. You're, you're done. And it's the same kind of stuff that we pull these days. We look at people differently because of what church they go to. We look at people differently because of certain physical attributes that they'll put on themselves. I mean, I'm not going to get into it, but certain things like tattoos and everything like that. What language you know, they some, speak. What language they speak. These little minor things, we do the same thing that the Jews did. We alienate people, which is what we read in verse 12, that you are aliens. We alienate people because of certain physical attributes. And what Paul is saying here is that none of that matters. Because verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Period. No argument, no disagreements there. Christ, his blood brings us all together, regardless of our background, regardless of whatever, whatever quote unquote circumcisions or uncircumcisions we might have in our life. Christ brings us together, period. Yeah, it's exactly what, if you remember, Peter iterated during the day of the Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down on them. In Acts chapter 2, verse 39, he says, For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who were far off everyone whom the lord our god calls to himself it's for everyone now salvation is for everyone back then it was believed that it was only to to the jews and to some degree maybe it was because for you to be part of that of course you have to go through the circumcision because if you didn't like it says you were alienated you were separated as verse 12 says you had no promise of the covenants having no hope and without god in the world like that's a scary thing to be it's like unless you were jewish you had no hope of salvation ever like that's it you're done but here paul says well now everything's flipped everything's open because of christ we have this hope and it's not just for the jews it's for everyone like mark was saying doesn't matter what nationality you are doesn't matter what color skin you have shade not color shade doesn't matter what language you speak what culture you're from god wants you to be saved and he's willing to save you if you just believe it's yeah, ready and he wants that. to work through you. He wants to, just like we read um, last podcast, we finished up in verse 10. He has his workmanship, the good works that he prepared for you. He wants the, you to have those things. That's why in verse 11 and moving forward, therefore, remember, and that's what Paul writes, because, because of the workmanship, the good works that Christ wants to give you, the salvation that he gave you, because of that, remember, but remember, right? You were there too. You were at one point 
unsaved, you were alienated, you were a stranger, you were dead spiritually. Remember that and don't focus on the little things and separate yourself from other people, from um, other nations. Like you guys already mentioned, I'm kind of like beating a dead horse here, but uh, the these things that separate us, put all that away and remember that you were once separated from Christ. But now there's unity. Uh, Christ brings unity, brought near by his blood. His blood gave salvation to anyone, anyone who accepts him. Um, and I think, like we've mentioned hundreds of times, Paul's building up to something, yeah. right? I want to say, you can move on after this. Mm-hmm. The reason why Paul is making such a huge emphasis on the unity is because he wants us to understand it, not just the church in Ephesus, but us readers today as well. But the only way for us to understand it is to go back in history, to understand why we have this unity now, because back then we were so separated, right? And he's trying to help them understand exactly what Christ has and is doing for us today and tomorrow. That for us to understand that, you have to understand the background of it. That's all. I'm going to read this next section, and, and then I have something to say about it, because this I know Alex is excited about this, and I am too, because this is such a, considering the climate of, our, you know, of the world that we live in right now, and how, how much everything is anything but peaceful these days, how much chaos is around this world, how much hate, I mean, even amongst believers, how much hate there is in this world right now. Mm-hmm. This section right here is such a such a refreshing topic and i want us to maybe focus on it a little bit i'm going to read the whole section and then i think we can just kind of talk about it all together and if you guys want to point out a certain verse so verse 14 to 18 for he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through, for through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Man, Paul just basically gave us the solution to world peace right here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it's crazy to think that the world... The world just rejects it, you know? The, the fact that the biggest conflicts that this planet has ever, like, had to face are all ones that humans brought upon each other because of differences in each other. You know, World War II, it was a hate for a certain group of people. Slavery was a hate for a certain type of person. All these things that Scripture openly tells us is wrong. Things that Christ never intended for, for life to be that way. We're reading here that we, we were separated. That there was this separation. There was this difference. There was something going on in this world. There was this sin. But because of Christ, again, if you have him, all those differences might as well not exist. They, they mean nothing because in him, we are all saved. We are all one. Peace is only found in him. Yeah, and the emphasis here is in verse 14, the first couple words, for he himself is our peace. Amen. It's not, Christ is not bringing peace. In a way, he is. But at the same time, he is the peace. So if you don't have Christ, 
the solution to all of the world's problems and strifes is Christ. If you don't have that, then you don't have the peace. And without the peace comes... Can you elaborate on the peace part? Like, what exactly do you mean by um, by having that peace? It's it's well, peace. I mean, the 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 subject, the word has got this broad subject around it, right? Peace could be many, many, many things. Um, but I think we have to look at it contextually. Uh, why is Paul talking about peace right now? Why is he deciding to say that Christ is peace, right? And because, just like he mentioned earlier, uh, he wrote earlier that we are brought near and one important factor of being brought together is that we'll have differences we'll have disagreements we'll have different beliefs in things we'll have different opinions and we'll sometimes be hard-headed with things um that's why he says remember that you were a gentile in the flesh um that you were alienated right but now you're brought together and one thing you have to understand when you're brought together is that christ christ is peace he will bring the peace and it says for he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation and the middle wall of separation in my true understanding here he's talking about um how you know jews had that that veil right that big curtain the separation between um basically you can't be unpure when you go into that place you have to be called to go into the to the place behind the curtain you have it's that separation um between ultimately I think God and man, right? You can't just go in as as a per regular person. Um, but now there is no wall of separation. It's broken down. It's offered to us. We accept it. And I think I can go down a rabbit hole search. I hope I'm at least a little bit answering your question. Um, but you're you you're asking the correct thing because we have to understand what peace is. What why is Paul talking about peace here? So the peace is not that okay. Now I'm a Christian. I have Christ. Mm-hmm. Therefore, people around me are not going to want to do harm to me. No, Is that no, the no, kind of peace? No, it's okay. not, not that kind of peace. I think, and I might disagree with you a little bit, Alex, I think that the middle wall of separation is talking the same thing we just read about in 11 through 13. Mm-hmm. I think it's talking about the separation between the Jews and the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. You agree with me, Serge? Yeah. I think I mean, it's a little I, I see more, both. Yeah, 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 I get yeah, what yeah. you're saying. Because I think the next verse actually goes with what you're saying, Alex. I think verse 14, he talks about how that wall between Jews and Gentiles is gone it's broken down Mm -hmm. then he goes into having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two thus making peace christ creates peace and he brings down that wall and what true peace is in christ again because you're right it's it doesn't mean you live the rest of your days problem free what christ does by making peace is that he comes here and like we read here, the law of the commandments, he doesn't get rid of them, but he fulfills them on our mm-hmm. behalf because he is the only sacrifice that has ever actually fully satisfied the, the wrath of God. And so he takes that wrath that we were supposed to have. And that peace that we have is because he took it, he fulfilled the law, he became the law. And now we no longer have to live our days doing check marks wondering if we got every single commandment right and then going to sacrifice a lamb if we didn't christ did all that on our behalf and now he became that peace for us we have peace not because we live a scot like problem-free life but because he fulfilled all the the wrath that we were supposed to have and now we can just we can just believe in him and have faith in him and know that he is fighting on our behalf like we read in chapter one 
Yeah, and I think I think he mentioned the wall of separation, and I should have made this a little more clear. I was kind of just skimming through it, and um, I'll I'll end the idea there. But um, maybe not in my defense, Mark. This is more of what I was trying to say. Is in the temple on the core of the Gentiles, they did have a physical barrier that separated mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where Jews can go and where Gentiles can go, and even I think it went as far as like. Um, you 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 can't enter there only jews can enter there so it was a it was again it was a separation and that's i think that's why he mentions it um but i i do i do see what you're saying further so agreed yeah and i think um like you said the reconciliation and that he made two men he made one man out of two he took two old which is the circumcised and uncircumcised right and made one new one and what do you think that new one is today starts with a C. The church. <laughs> the Christians in the church. Yes. Yes, the Christians in the church. In, in theory, if you look at it, the Jews, it's kind of almost as if like their nationality of being called the Jews was supposed to end at Christ and they were supposed to become Christians. That was supposed to kind of like take over of what a Jew is and they were supposed to become this new thing and it was supposed to be now open to anyone that believes and they didn't have to go through this rites of passage of being circumcised and the sacrifice and the cleansiness and all that for whatever sake but but it seems like there's a lot of people that miss that mark obviously uh, uh, mark i mean not your name yeah. but like <laughs> well no there, obviously a lot of people miss that I miss we mark. read it in scripture and then even now we see that it's there's a huge population on this planet even even today who, yeah who just and the sad part is it's not just uh isolated or it's not just common to the jews and christians today we see this in churches even in churches between denominations and everything is kind of sad even between families like i'm sure we all have friends and family where we might have these differences and all of a sudden just because you disagree on some traditional cultural thing that isn't even salvation based or even biblical based you're like oh you're an enemy let's say you're not how can you even call yourself a christian if you disagree on such and such which is kind of kind of goes back to our cold open about challenging people but that peace of god was is supposed to kind of not wash all that away but be able to cover that because in um i'm just i'm gonna foreshadow a little bit to ephesians chapter four there paul actually brings up the unity amongst us people together right where he says um be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond uh the pages in the bond of peace there's one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call we're all called to serve god to be saved by christ don't let that different cultures traditions or how churches do different things differently be a means of being enemies with each other and right that's not what it's calling us amen to and then in the church it's the same thing man you can't be you can't be looking at people who are outside of the church any as if they're any lesser than you who are in the church verse 17 ends with exactly that and he came and preached peace to you who were afar off so to anybody who wasn't right there to all the random strangers to the people who are outside the church if we're going to relate it to our times he preached to all of them and to those who were near for through him we both have access by one spirit to the father we need to like understand as a modern church that being in the church doesn't make you a christian automatically 
but it's where we're supposed to gather to to remember the fact that we were once afar off we were once that person who was a stranger we were once not with christ and now we are with him and the mission technically of the church and one of the only missions really is to bring more people to him other than that if if we keep playing this game of 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 cultural fights of certain denominational fights we're we're missing the mark you know we're going to spend our entire lives fighting over something that at the end of the day is going to is going to waste a, a human life that could have been doing good and could have been bringing people to Christ yeah and um i think if you were to look at you know this little section of what peace is and kind of going back to your original question serge i think it was an awesome question to try to understand what paul's writing here um i think true peace crisis peace um because through what he did, he brings, um, he takes away the opposition, right? The, the constant hostile environment between, well, in this context at least, well, the Jews were constantly in um, this opposition to the Gentiles because they didn't follow the law. They didn't have the law. They were not, you know, they were not in the, in the box where the law is the law. And if you don't follow it, you are now an outsider. You are now not saved. You are now not going to go and spend eternity with God because you're not following the law. And I think the point being understood is to bring that peace between not only groups of people, nations, um, just peace in general, because Christ is himself peace. He now um, breaks down that he breaks down that wall of separation. He through his um, through his flesh, through his death, he now fulfills the law so that now we don't have to follow a law. And where I'm going with this is a, a question I wanted to kind of ask on topic here to ask you guys. Do you think our beliefs, because you guys mentioned beliefs, you guys mentioned different views that we may have, different churches, that's, that separation between each other. Do you think that some beliefs and some views that we have could be as almost a law to us? And that if someone is not abiding by that law, then we tend to look negatively down upon them? Absolutely. Between Christians, right? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Now. We probably shouldn't look down upon them. But we do. But we do. We judge them. We judge them. Yeah. And I'm sure they do the same thing to us. That doesn't give us an excuse to do it. Right. But um, So do we have that peace? I don't know. <laughs> I do want to kind of uh, clarify a point here because we kind of mentioned this. Uh, we keep talking about how we need to be okay with different churches doing things differently. You know, you, obviously there's limits to that. You have to make sure that as long as you know that church its core doctrines are in line with scripture mm-hmm. right yeah. because there's definitely some religious yep. denominations that are way off like your jehovah's witnesses you know unfortunately i can't say that jehovah's witness is going to go to heaven because their understanding of christ is completely different than what it is in the scripture mm-hmm. yeah right so well, we're keeping be- christ centered here yeah we're, we're talking yeah. about people that have their core doctrines in line with right. the scripture we're talking about those churches right um, that, you know, for the most part are, are like ours, the, the Baptist churches. That doesn't mean that Pentecost are going to hell because they speak in tongues. Absolutely not. The right. foundation for salvation is faith through Christ in yeah. Christ. And there's a lot of good works your local Pentecost yeah. church did. There's a lot of um, things, gospel spreading that your, any local Christ-believing denomination yeah. could be doing. Um, but sometimes we cloud all of that yeah. because we see the differences. Yeah. And that's the whole point here is 
yeah, there was a law. Jews and Gentiles were the same thing, right? Jews looked down on other nations or, or didn't want to even associate with them because, but they even believed even further, right? They believed that if you're a Gentile, you're not, you're, you don't have faith. You don't have God. You don't have anything. You're dead spiritually. So um, let's, going forward, mm-hmm. Christ is our peace. And that's kind of a good explanation is that Christ himself is peace. And if Christ is the center and is in your faith, is in your uh, church, in your ministry, and whatever you're involved in, is Christ is the center of it and you're doing it to fulfill his glory. Did we get into verse 18 yet? No, no. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, I already read that. Okay. I so, must have missed it. Yeah, and, and in this section, as long as Christ is your uh, center, is your is you're fulfilling His will, um, you shouldn't be focusing on other things that are splitting you up. You need that to bring forth that unity. I feel like I want to keep talking about peace, but we yeah. got to move on. Okay, I'm going to read the next section, and, and we're going to wrap up chapter two. And you, you said 18, just real quick. Yeah, yeah. 18 does kind of you know end this little topic here for through him we both have access by one spirit to the father yeah done deal and of course that's in reference to the fact that like you mentioned before that veil that separated in the temple the holy from the holy of holies Mm -hmm. that's gone now because back then the only access that people the common people had to god was through the high priest not just a priest but the high priest priest once a year but now that even that separation is gone now we have direct access to God through the Spirit. Listen to our prayer episodes for more on that. <laughs> All right, let's, let's finish this chapter up. I actually, I don't know. I, can't, I might like this section even more. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, and whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of, of God in the Spirit. I think Paul's painting this kind of like illustration here to kind of get you to better understand. Um, and, but he opens up with, again, backing up what unity is, um, what Christ's point of unity is. Um, I think in verse 19, you're no longer strangers. You're not foreigners, right? Don't, don't have that wall of separation. Um, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Um, and it, it, he ends with, if you guys want to comment more of this, but he ends with the household of God. And I think that's where in verse 20 he starts describing what the household of God is. And I'm like thinking about this. It makes sense why he's writing this to these people. You know, they're, they're pretty far off from the target like geographic area that Christ was in with the disciples and everything. So I don't know, to me, this sounds like he's trying to encourage them. You know, he's like, guys, I know you guys might feel alone because you guys are literally in, in Asia minor. You guys are in modern day Turkey. And at that time, that whole region was the furthest thing away from Christian. And so Paul is planting these churches and he, I don't know, to me, it's like, he's encouraging them. Like, guys, I know you might feel like you're alone in this world, but you're not. Like these borders that you guys think you have, none of this exists in the eyes of God. You're not alone here. There are a lot of people who are with you. There are, you're part of those saints as well now. You're not just foreigners. You're not just those guys over there. You're with us here. Like we're all doing this together. Yeah, and I want to add um, a little different point of view. 
So you know how we always say this,、uh, you have to be born again, that for you, if you're a Christian, you have to be born again, because this is actually exactly what Christ was saying, if you remember that night on the rooftop with Nicodemus. He was telling him, unless you know, you're born from above, being born again, you cannot enter the heaven, into heaven.、Um, you cannot be saved. And so this is exactly what he's talking about here, is that,、uh, which kind of piggies back off of what he was saying about the two different men, the circumcised and uncircumcised, and now there's one new man. That's where the born again comes in. It, that no longer you are defined by your past. You are no longer defined by your culture, by your nationality, by the language you speak, by the shade of your skin. You are now defined by your faith, which is Jesus Christ.、Mm-hmm. Right. And if, unless your faith is on that, which it says you're a cornerstone, you are no longer an alien. You are no longer, I mean, we are still foreigners because now our home is not here on earth, but our home is now in heaven. And that's why he says we are citizens with the saints, the members of the household of God. Right. We're foreigners now here on earth. Yes. Before we were citizens of the earth and foreigners. Uh, in the eyes of God, but now being born again, we are that is flipped. We are citizens in heaven while being foreigners here on earth. Just kind of a different point of view about the whole born again alien perspective. Well, and why? Because verse 20, the chief cornerstone is Christ Himself. That's, that is the thing that erases your past, erases all your differences, and makes us all one. It's, we're united in Christ. We talked about it in the very beginning. During the cold open, you know, the, the thing you have to be founded upon is God's word, is Christ Himself. If, if you have that right, then you're doing good. You know, you're in the right place. You can still grow. Obviously, you're not perfect. You're not done. You know, just because someone got baptized doesn't mean, okay, their, their Christian walk is done. No, that's just the beginning. So there's still room to grow, but which he gets into in verse 21, but you have to first establish that cornerstone in your life. You have to first establish that Christ is. The, the main building block in my entire life, spiritually and physically. And once you get that down, you, your eyes open up and you realize what really matters. You find that peace, like we read about you, you're spiritually fulfilled. Yeah. And, you know, in, these, in the verse 20 and on,、um, there is a strong emphasis of how important Christ is. Because if you look at your whole life and your faith and、uh, belief in God, You're part of the household of God, essentially, right? But Christ is so important that Paul emphasizes here that he is the cornerstone, chief cornerstone of the whole household of God,、um, the foundation, built on the foundation. So, and it kind of mentions here in verse 20 that the foundation is the apostles, the, apostles, the prophets.、Um, they brought forth、uh, all these things to open up more of the gospel, to open up more of Christ. And also, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So,、um, looking at this, there's a cornerstone, you got the foundation, and then you have the household of God. And I remember during one Bible study,、uh, we were talking about Mark and Lauren were building their house. And you always watch that first you know, crawl space when it just started. You always watch that first stone. If you lay that stone properly and on and on and on and on, if you lay it, Correctly measured everything out correctly, it's the most important stone because technically, upon it, the process has started.、Um, with that stone, the rest of the house is being built. And、um, I know it's kind of a cliche thing to bring up,、um, but really, that's how it's painted here that 
chief cornerstone, the most important part of the whole construction project, right? Christ is the most important part. You need to have him uh, be in your, in your faith, in your life. You need to accept him. Um, and through him, you now can move forward. And thank God for that. I mean, could you imagine if our, if our entire life was, was built upon some, some guy? Like, could you imagine like putting your entire dependence on, on just another human? On a guy who saw a vision in the yeah, woods? On a, something, on a I don't know. Or, 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 even, or even a good pastor, you know? That there's nothing wrong with that. But could you imagine like how hopeless it would be if your entire identity as a human was built upon just some person? And, and the truth of the matter is, though, that's what the vast majority of this planet lives off of. And, and we can see the fruits of that right now. The fact that people, either, either they are the god of their own universe, or they look up to a certain person and they kind of just live their life to try to embody that person or become that person. And it, 10 times out of 10, it will fail you every single time. And, and we see that right now. And yet our cornerstone is never going to fail us. It'll never, it'll never fall apart. It's the house that is built upon this one. I'm thinking about the story about like the man who built his house on the sand and the man who built his house upon a rock. You know, with the sands, it'll always be washed out. Maybe, maybe you'll live there for a good 25 years, but one day rain's going to come and it'll all fall apart. And the truth is, in our spiritual lives, that's exactly the case. If we put our hope in some person, if we put our hope in our, in our mom and dad when it comes to our spiritual walk or our pastor or just, or just some mentor, spiritually speaking, eventually it will fall. You'll, you'll fail you're, you'll fail because we're all people. We all mess up. We have those stumbling blocks. We have those places where we'll slip up. But if we are founded upon Christ, there's just so much, so much hope in that statement that no matter what happens with us, Christ will always remain that cornerstone. He will, he will never change. Mm-hmm. His love and his peace will always be there ready for you, no matter where you are in your life. Amen to that. And Christ is never that far off. He's always right there by us. He's, I know he's sitting at the right hand of God in, in heaven, right? At the throne. But he's always a lot closer than you think at the same time because we have the promise of the Holy Spirit, if you remember. That was the one thing that, I don't want to say replaced Christ, but that's the thing, that's the helper that Christ promised that will guide us through the rest of our lives on, on Christ's behalf. It's, it's the seal that we read about in and the first the, And it's the seal. Because that's exactly what uh, the rest of the chapter kind of talks about, these last kind of two verses. But it kind of piggies back off of verse 19, where we'll talk about members of the household of God, which says that those members, being us today, the church, we are built upon the apostles and the prophets because they all pointed to Christ. All, everything that the Old and New Testament led up to and led afterwards always goes back to Christ, and especially being the cornerstone, right? who the whole structure being joined together goes into the holy temple of the Lord. We know that the holy temple of the Lord, it's, it's, although we, we can say it's a dedicated structure to God, but that's where God's presence is, right? Just like it was in the Old Testament, just like it is today. And that temple is us today. It's not, I know a lot of people will say like, God only exists in the church. Yes and no. That's not the only place he exists. Yes, that's where we go to worship him. We have fellowship with each other. We sing praises and have our, church gatherings and everything and god is there amen to that but that's not the only place he's also with us in our hearts because that's what verse 22 says that in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for god by the spirit right it's he is in our hearts the spirit the you know the 
the third face of the Trinity uh, of God is that the Spirit lives in us, and we have that immediate connection to to God Himself is by the power of the Spirit. And I think the important thing to remember is that holy temple that's that God is the chief, that Christ is the chief cornerstone of. That temple is still not done being built, and the whole picture being painted here is that now you're part of the holy temple in the Lord. Um, in verse 22, in whom you also are being built together. So we're still being built together. We're still growing. We're still building. And that's our point here is to spread the gospel and grow that holy temple until every person has heard of him. Um, I know Second Peter talks about that. Every, until everyone has heard about Christ, until those who has heard and decided to accept in Christ, the mission is not done yet, right? We have work to do. Um, we have a battle to fight. And we want that growth of the holy temple. Um, it's the importance of unity as well. Um, a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. And I think going and kind of overlooking all that we just read, um, all of these things are important factors. Um, in order to have a true faith in Christ, we have to focus on Christ. We yeah. have to make Him the chief cornerstone. We have to make Him um, our ultimate uh thing that we go off of, that we work off of, um, that we rely on, that we believe in, that we pray to, um, that we thank, and that we show others to. Um, and, and through that, we need to focus on things like having peace, because mm. Christ brings the peace. Christ is the peace. Stop going out there and looking at other things, judging other things, disconnecting yourself from, well, this church believes in that. Well, this youth you know, goes there and we never go there. I don't want to know anybody there. You, you have these things, and I know I'm talking about little things, but you have these things that really separates you, that really makes you just not want to relate to somebody and not have that unity. If you don't have a unity, how are you building the holy temple, right? If, if, if Christ is not bringing you together with others who believe in Christ, how are you building the holy temple? How are you making God's gospel, making... Um, God's temple grow in the world. Well, there's only one temple growing. So either you're not in it or the people you're judging are not in it. Yeah. You know, like that's the dilemma you put yourself in when you start being judgmental like that, that someone's wrong. We can't all be either. We're either. We're all in this temple and we're all growing, even with our little differences or you're not in it. You think you are, but you're not, you know, or the people you're judging aren't, but that's, that's the, that's the problem. At that point, now you're opening up this can of worms where it's like, okay, well, who's right? Like, am I, maybe, maybe we're not where we think we are. And I, I'm going to say something and then you can wrap up, Serge. Um, we had a Bible study this past Tuesday with our youth. And one of the things that was brought up was sometimes we just need to remember Jesus again. You know, we need to go back to our first love. We need to sometimes just remember what it was like to, to initially repent and to give him everything. Because like we said, it's, this is just, the beginning of your walk, especially for all of us. We're all, we're all fairly young, you know, and, and God willing, we all live to 80 years old. We still have a long life ahead of us. And that means there's going to be a lot of ups and probably even more downs in our life. And sometimes we don't need to necessarily be taught something new. Sometimes we just need to refocus on Jesus and remember that chief cornerstone in our life, the, the cornerstone that one, once upon a time we fell on our knees and repented before Christ and we, we devoted our life to him. Sometimes we just need to refocus on that and remember what it was like 
to remember who we serve, to remember whose children we are. Sometimes we just need to stop focusing on such menial differences and remember whose children we are and, and why we're here. And, and remembering that sometimes is all it takes to really bring that unity and peace. Mm-hmm. Remembering how important Christ is to all of us and to anyone who hasn't found him yet. And for all our listeners, regardless of whatever kind of stressful situation you might be in, regardless of your circumstances, remember your love in Christ. Remember what he means to you and, and focus on that. No matter how hard the times might be, focus on him and, and let him be the peace in your life. Amen to that. And I just want to clarify, maybe someone got the wrong point. We're not here to denounce the Jews, their culture, their heritage, or whatever it is that they stand for. But one thing is right. Unless you have Christ as your cornerstone, unless you put your faith and hope in his death and resurrection, you are not going to be a citizen with the saints. You are not going to be a member of the household. That is the only means, the only basis for that. And like Mark already said, and if you are feeling compelled that you do want to be part of that. God is more than ready to welcome you into his family and, and call you a son, daughter of his king, uh, of his family. And we're going to go ahead and close with prayer. Lord, I'm so thankful for this wonderful time that we had to talk to you about your scripture, to read about your word and the promises that you have left for us and that in your son we have that hope we, have, we are able to put our faith in his death and resurrection and to be called citizens of a holy place, God, that you live in us through the Holy Spirit. And we are so thankful for that, God. And I understand that not everyone may have that right now in their lives. And they might be searching, they might be seeking for that, not knowing what they're searching for. And I pray that you reach out to them, that you touch their hearts, that you open yourself up to them so that they can accept you as their Savior and be called a son or daughter of the king most high god i pray for those people i pray for our listeners and i pray for all of us here today and for our ministry that all in all your name be glorified amen thank you for joining us today we hope god was able to reach your heart so now you can go and share it with others feel free to leave any questions prayer requests or blessings join us on instagram and share our podcast to others And remember, always keep your heart in Scripture.